0: This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. The beginning of the calendar year brings out my most woo-woo self. <laughs> like my wooiest self comes out in January. And I make no apologies for it. I love the energy in the air. I love a fresh start. I love new beginnings. I love new titles and new labels and, you know, forward momentum, all of these things that happen in January. It is not a coincidence, although it was not purposeful at the time, but it is not a coincidence in the big picture that I started my blog a million jillion years ago, actually 13 years ago in 2010. I started it in January, January 11th to be exact and then I started this podcast the very first iteration of 10 things to tell you also started in January 2019 was the year for that one I got engaged in January of 2007 and I got pregnant both times in the very tippy top end January, first in 2009, then in 2011. My kiddos were born the same week, two years apart exactly. So I like this time of year, is what I'm saying to you. It's not without its own stresses or emotions. I feel like fresh starts are not always love and light. You know, sometimes we're starting things new while rising from the ashes. Or there's sometimes just a lot of hard work that goes into whatever changes we're trying to make in this time of the year. Or if it's not changes, then like recovering from the last quarter of the year before, which of course with the holidays and businesses and the world at large always feels like a mad scramble. And so January and February are always kind of a reset, a rebalancing. And that feels like a very natural rhythm for me. One time my therapist said something along the lines of, there are years where we grow and years where we sit still. That might be like a saying, actually, now that that's coming out of my mouth. But I think she's right. We're not being still or being stagnant and also having a lot of growth. I think there's, you know, growth happening in the soil of those still seasons But it does on the whole feel like when you look back, there are years that catapult you forward or catapult you into the depths, if you will. And then there are just years that hold steady. And I can see that pattern in my own life. It's not, you know, tied to (laughs) the calendar year exactly, but it is sort of a way to think about seasons and we all experience seasons of growth and change. And a lot of times we try to shape our habits around those things, right? Like when you are going through a time of growth and change, like a notable time of growth and change or fresh starts, like we're saying, there is not a lot that you have control over. And so sometimes you try to wrangle these time periods with something that you do control, you know, so you really suddenly get very disciplined or rigid in some area of your life because you just need to feel like you have control of something. And this happened for me for many years with my morning routine. So if you have been around for a while, you might remember that I had for many years a pretty intense morning routine, it was loosely based off the book an idea from The Miracle Morning. I've actually never read this book. I just have used his framework. Hal Elrod wrote The Miracle Morning. Again, I don't fully endorse the whole idea, but I did really like his structure for a morning routine which the acronym that he used was SAVERS, S A V E R S. So silence, affirmations, visualization, Exercise, reading, and scribing. The last S was scribing, which is sort of a cheat for it, just means journaling, writing. And I didn't do them in that exact order, and I didn't do all of them. I do not do exercise as part of my, you know, sitting morning routine. But I did like a lot of the elements of that silence, doing affirmations, doing a visualization, which was hit or miss for me. And then, of course, I always do my morning reading, 20 minutes of reading nonfiction. I do not very often, unless I'm going through something in particular, I do not very often journal as part of my morning routine. But anyway, I've talked about this morning routine that I did for many years that had a lot of these elements to it. And it kind of took a long time. Like if you do most of those steps and you really give them the moments that they're due, including the 20 minutes of reading. I mean, you can get to an hour really fast. And for many years, this was how I anchored my day. In terms of a family rhythm, I usually did this at like 7.30 in the morning when Jeff had left to take the kids to the bus. I would start my morning routine and it gave me a lot of comfort. It gave me some structure in that early part of the day when really I'm the type of person who can just like putter around and like do random home tasks and random things and then it'll be like noon and I don't even know what happened. So starting with this morning routine, even though it took an hour almost, it set me in good motion for like when I was done with it, I had kind of a list of to-dos for the day. I had a little bit of built-in structure. Well, you know, The pandemic changed all this as the pandemic changed so many things. But when we went into lockdown in Los Angeles in spring of 2020, so many things changed about our family rhythm, including like when the kids started their online school and what my workday looked like. And, you know, if I put on real clothes or not, like no joke, like if I sort of did hair and makeup and stuff or not, like it just felt like. Everything went into full slug mode for a long time, a year, I guess. And then even when I felt more productive and, you know, more in a mode of getting back to what regular life looked like, I never did get back to a full morning routine like that. I found for a while, it wasn't that I didn't need it because there are so many benefits to it, but... As I've talked about in episodes recently, I've really been trying to pay attention to my energy and when I have good energy and do I want to give some of my best energy in the day to that routine that takes an hour and like maybe I could be doing something more quote unquote productive. Also some logistical things changed, You know, how we get our kids to school is different. Now that we moved houses, we live in a different neighborhood. Now we both drive the kids to school. I often have Zooms and meetings starting at nine or 10 in the morning. And so just like backing into the hours, I did not have time to do this morning routine, nor did I have the desire. I feel like I lost the desire for it a little bit. It was always something that I had to (laughs) talk myself out of feeling like it was hokey. Like I knew there were elements that worked. I still do my five minutes of silence every day and I still do my... 20 minutes of reading almost every day. So, those are the two things that stuck. And those together take less than a half hour. And I felt like those were the most important elements the five minutes of silence for me and 20 minutes of reading. But lately, there have been things that I've missed, not just about the morning routine, because I don't believe it has to be in the morning. I gave you all the excuses for why I fell out of this habit, but really, you can do this when it works for you. If it's at a lunch break, if it's you know the downtime between work and dinner if you have that like before bed if there's you know something that feels right about that like it doesn't really matter when you get in some of these routines but in the last little while i have missed some of these elements notably the affirmations which is what we're going to talk about here today we're going to talk about 3 affirmations that I'm telling myself for the new year, and three habits that I want to work on in the new year. So affirmations are kind of one of the main things that I have to tell myself is not a hokey practice, because I absolutely believe there's something to it. I've experienced that there's something to it. I have seen other people, you know, have some kind of power and the affirmative words that they tell themselves. Like, I really believe in the power of language and the energy and mindset that we give to anything. And that sometimes that means we have to give ourselves a little self-talk, which is what an affirmation is. It's a self-talk. It's like a pep talk in a pithy sentence. And it may seem corny to you or like, You could never let anyone see you doing an affirmation. It's sort of like posing in the mirror. Like it's one of those like private things. It's just between you and you. It is very much like that. I totally get that. And also when you repeat a sentence to yourself every single day, whether you're writing it down in like an affirmation journal, and that is how I do it, I write it down. Because to me, there's a lot of power in the writing it down. But if you wanted to just say it out loud, silently repeat it to yourself, maybe you have it on a sticky note in a place that you see every day and just reading it is sort of an affirmation. The repetitiveness of whatever that sentence is, whatever that inner pep talk is, it does make you start to believe it. There is brain science behind this. And like I said, I've experienced it myself. I have this affirmation journal. It's separate from my personal journal. It's separate from my planner. You know, it's just its own affirmation journal. And one of the reasons I like having it is because there's something cool about seeing our own words repeated every single day. Like I have a new page for every day and I can like look through the year or the you know time period and see how my handwriting changed, how my affirmations may be changed by a word or two. That's sort of interesting. And also... At the end, you can throw it away. When you have filled a notebook full of these affirmations, it has done its work. It's cool to flip back through and see it evolve a little. And then it's also cool to be done with it. That's why I like it having sort of its own little notebook. And in the morning when I was doing affirmations, which I'm now going to return to, I just, I usually had like, I'd say between five and eight going at a time, and sometimes they shift, and sometimes, you know, I only have three. Sometimes they're more maybe work-related. Sometimes they're very personal. I kind of have, let's say, a dozen-ish type of affirmations that I play around with. One of my most popular episodes of this show ever, and one of my personal favorites, is episode 79, 10-plus mantras and affirmations for right now. I love that episode. If you want to go back and listen to it, it's always a good one. And on that episode, and also just you know something I've talked about for a long time, two of my ever-present mantras that I love so much that I repeat to myself daily still, even without a formal affirmation process, I do repeat these particular sentences to myself very regularly. One of them is, clarity is on the way. I love that one. Clarity is on the way. This is good for me because I can feel very muddled. I can get very confused or overwhelmed. I can wonder if I'm making the right decision or not. I can start to second-guess my own instincts or intuition. And so I just tell myself, clarity is on the way. I will know. I will feel clear on the person, the decision, the vibe, because clarity is coming that's one. And then the other one that I also repeat to myself regularly that we've talked about here is I have enough time. This may feel controversial to you because a lot of the messages that we receive and in our own experience of loss and life is that we really should carpe dia. We really should seize the day. We should make every moment count. And there's all this pressure to Do that. And I understand the desperation behind that sentiment that we should make every moment count, that we should not waste one second of our beautiful life here. But I think very often those messages can also make us feel really panicky. And when we are panicky, we are not calm, we are not mindful, we cannot love at our best, we cannot be our best selves when we are constantly freaking out about time. Another one of my past episodes that got a ton of reaction is episode 145, Time Anxiety. And on that episode, I sort of walk through how my biggest source of anxiety or my biggest trigger, the thing that really makes me feel like I am in just a low-grade panic most of the time is thinking about time, that I don't have enough time, that I'm running out of time, that I'm wasting my time, that I'm not grateful enough for the time that I do have, I'm constantly doing a calculation in my head about do I have time for this? If we do this right now, will we have time for this other thing? How am I going to juggle my time this day, this week, this year? Time anxiety is real. <laughs> and I think part of it is mom brain, part of it is being, you know, a grown-up in 2022 where we have so much information and data and things flying in our brain. All day long. There's definitely environmental factors that tap into our time anxiety, but it's also from a mental health perspective, the thing that some of us like latch onto and really just our brain just loops on it. We just cannot stop doing that time calculation or feeling these emotions that are all built around the fact that time is slipping through our fingers, slipping away from us. Every single millisecond of every day. It makes me feel sad and scared, and like I said, very panicked. And so I have to combat that loop and those feelings a lot. And so that's why my second, like most used affirmation is I have enough time. And sometimes you just have to say that to yourself over and over because the first time you say it out loud or write it down, every part of you will scream, no, you don't, no, you do not, what are you thinking? And you really have to train yourself to think, it's okay, I have enough time, I have enough time. That's a big one for me. With sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating, and yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full-body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben free. It is also pH balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get five dollars off a Lumi starter pack with code U at LumiDeodorant.com. That equates to forty percent off your starter pack when you visit Lumi L-U-M-E Deodorant D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T. With artistic touches, unparalleled craftsmanship, and exquisite materials, Born designs shoes to satisfy the demands of every lifestyle. Go to BornShoes.com for a 15% discount plus free ground shipping on all full price shoes when you use my promo code TELL. That's Born B-O-R-N Shoes S-H-O-E-S. Dot com and use promo code TELL, TELL for 15% off and free shipping available exclusively to our listeners for a limited time. So the three that I have been working on for 2023, they all have some themes in common. And I suggest that if you sit down and write down what your affirmations might be, if you're trying to narrow it down, or if you're just like letting it fly and writing dozens of them at one time, If you will read back over them and see what they have in common, you know, are they about the future? Are they about releasing the past? Are they about peacefulness? Are they about achievement? There's lots of themes that might come up over and over again with what your inner self talk needs. And for me, I could definitely see some themes. I will share here that my word of the year, as usual, it chose me. (laughs) I shouldn't say as usual. That's actually not true. There's been some years when I really tried to force a word of the year. There have been some years where I didn't even choose a word of the year because it just didn't felt right. It felt phony. Nothing felt good. I was in a year of stillness, actually, like we already discussed. And I, you know, I just, I didn't want to orient my life around a word or a phrase but there have been a few years where I felt like the word kept coming up and kept coming up and I couldn't really ignore it and even if it wasn't like the best most fun word ever it was the word that I needed that's how I feel like my 2023 word came to be because my word for this year is focus focus is not a fun word focus feels like a lot of work Focus feels like you're taming something that's been a little crazy. Like when you really, you know, bark at your child or spouse or yourself to focus. This is this is the energy of my 2023 word. Except hopefully it is a positive and productive thing, especially because I've had words in the past 2 years my 2022 word was practice my 2021 word which was the most effective of any word i've had in many years was ease both of those words have a softness to them have something that needs to be relaxed into and focus is the opposite of that focus is not relaxing but i know that it is the word i need and even though i'm joking around about it there are things that i'm very excited about that I that do require my focus this year and so it makes sense that this is the word and it even makes further sense with the three affirmations that I'm working on for myself the first one is an I am sentence now not all affirmations have to be I am some people will tell you that all affirmations need to be I am sentences because that's what you're affirming like who you are I don't necessarily find that to be true but this one is and the affirmation is, I am already my future self. To so talk about woo-woo, right? But the root of this is, there is a part of me that thinks about my future self, like in a positive light, but she feels very unattainable. It feels defeating sometimes because I think I'll never get to be this person that I want to be or gosh, all of this that I'm going to have to go through to get to be this person. It just doesn't feel necessarily like a happy way to look at myself because it sort of requires, for me anyway, kind of beating down my current self and really critiquing my past self. So I have a future, Laura, that It's kind of an idealized version of myself, I guess. And why this affirmation matters to me, I am already my future self, is because it is reminding me that I already have what it takes to be that idealized version of future Laura. Like she doesn't just spring out of nowhere. She isn't dropped down from the sky. That person in the future that I visualize and want to become, I already am her. There are elements of me that are already there. Of course, I'm looking at this future self and hoping that I have, you know, learned more, achieved things, made good memories, like all of that. But my future self only comes into being because of who I am right now. The things that I am desiring for my life and relationships and career all of those things that I'm desiring for my future self are still me. I'm the one who's desiring them. And I have the ability, in fact, it requires my ability to become that future self. And so only thinking about this far off version of Laura that feels very unattainable and feels like I'm just going to have to work so hard to become this person that I want to be, reminding myself that it's already in me is very helpful for me right now. It makes me feel less self-critical to remember that this person I want to be already exists. She just needs like some refining, some practice, and yeah, maybe a little discipline, maybe a little focus. (laughs) But she's already there. I'm not like trying to become, I don't know, like an Olympian I and mean, that's not my dream. That's not my desire. But it's almost like when we picture our ideal selves, there is a version of them that's Olympian-like, like they just feel like superhuman. And that can just feel like such a bummer to think, I'm never going to get there. And so instead, telling myself, I am already my future self is a perspective check on who I already have become. Because sure, I have this Laura that's 5, 10, 20 years in the future that I hope for. But 22-year-old Laura, when I moved to LA, had dreams of who I am right now. I wanted to be an author. I am. I wanted to be a wife and mother. I am. I am this future self that a past version of myself really wanted to be. And we lose sight of that because we take for granted who we have become. And I know I can't be the only one who feels that way. The second affirmation that I'm working on for myself in 2023 is I have the ability to fix what's wrong. Now hear me. I do not think that we all have the ability to fix all the things that are wrong. There's so many things, in fact, that are wrong that we do not have any ability or control or power over. And that is very hard. That's emotional. That takes a daily practice of surrender to accept that. But there are a lot of things in our lives that we do have the capability to fix. And for some reason, we just don't. And by we, I mean me. I'm talking about very small things like There's something wrong with one of the can lights in our kitchen that it's not a burnt light bulb, it's something electrical and it is broken. Do I have the capability to get up there and fix the electrical? I do not, but I do have the capability to call an electrician, find someone to help me, ask around, Google a YouTube tutorial. I don't know, there's like so many things in my house that's like logistical things that I feel very helpless around and sometimes I feel like well I just can't do anything about that thing that's wrong and I don't know who can so I'm just going to be annoyed every single day at this broken thing or that wrong thing or on a deeper level than feeling annoyed I'm going to feel helpless This is what has happened in my life in some ways where I just feel like, well, if I don't know how to fix something, and this is about more than light bulbs, right? This is about all kinds of things in our life. Relationships, health, work stuff, our appearance. I just get like very childlike sometimes. Honestly, feeling like I don't know how to fix something therefore it's doomed forever. Or I have too much pride to ask for help. Or I feel like a very weird sense of nervousness around like, googling a fix. It's the same feeling I had when I was in math class in high school. And I felt like I am so scared of what this answer is going to be, or if I'm going to get the answer right or wrong. Like I just, I was terrible at math when I was young. And Sometimes I have the same emotions around fixing things in adulthood of like, I'm gonna get this wrong. I don't even wanna know what the answer is. I would rather just like put my blinders on to what this problem is because I can't be the one to fix it. Someone else needs to solve this mathematical equation. And listen, again, there are things that we don't have the power to fix. And there are some things that maybe. The right choice truly is to like put our blinders on and be like, this is not my problem to fix. And also I just cannot fix this thing. However, I don't wanna be scared in 2023 of the things that I can fix. I do not need to have feigned helplessness in my home or in my work and be like, I don't know how to do that. And so I just don't do it. This is something a couple of years ago that happened to me around my finances, my business income for this show, and my books and things like that. I had a lot of helplessness around managing the business side of my work. And I finally had to pull it together, get a fresh books account, hire someone to help me, look at the numbers honestly, and be real about something that I was avoiding. And once I did start to learn some of those numbers, I was like, okay, I mean, I can, I can do this. I'm like smart enough to handle this, which is where this affirmation comes from for me. I have the ability to fix what's wrong. This also touches on some of my health goals for 2023 because getting healthy after a period of unhealthiness well, there's almost like nothing to make you feel impossible than that. I mean, that is a thing that can bring up so much shame, so many thoughts of, I don't know how to fix this. When I talked to my doctor and I just got a primary care doctor for the first time in my adult life in 2021. So literally I've only had a primary care doctor for a year and a half. And when we have had certain conversations, I feel so dumb talking to him because I don't know exactly what he's talking about. (laughs) I mean, health stuff is complicated, but what he's talking about is not complicated. This is like normal life maintenance stuff. And I just want to plug my ears and sing like, la, 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 because not, not because I don't want to make healthy changes, but because a part of me truly doubts my ability to know what I'm doing and to actually march forward in that knowledge. I have the ability to change my life and change my light bulbs. Literally, I have the ability to fix what's wrong is the affirmation and I really don't want anyone out there to get this twisted because I don't want you to take on something on your shoulders that you can't fix it's not on you to fix your whole marriage your extended family your relationship with your kids your toxic work environment there are a lot of things that we should not carry on our back like this but for the things that we can we are not dumb we are smart we have the ability to fix what's wrong Okay, and then last of the three affirmations for 2023, I really love this one. And I have to admit that I stole this from the Daily Om. I saw this one on the Daily Om. And this affirmation is I invite love and healing. You know what's special about this affirmation? The word invite. I toyed around with changing that word to welcome because I like the word welcome and that word has been sort of rattling around in my brain a little bit, but that's a different connotation really. Welcome means someone showed up and you had the grace to welcome them. Invite is a different sort of action. If the affirmation is, I invite love and healing, it's not then that you simply welcome love and healing that has showed up, you are inviting them, you have reached out and invited love and invited healing into your life. You didn't simply answer the door, you put the call out. And so I love this because you'll hear when we talk about habits in a minute, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot for 2023 is literally inviting people into our home, (laughs) like actually asking people to come over. And maybe that's why my brain lit up at this word, invite. I also like that it's active, not just with the love part, which is great, but also with healing. Healing sometimes, I think I think emotional healing, physical healing, that it is something that happens to us. Like healing happens when we rest and pay attention and do the work and all of this kind of thing. But when you pair it with this word, invite, It's like you called up healing and said, okay, I'm ready for you. Please come over at 6 p.m. Dinner will be served. And that sentence just, it hit me with so much warmth for 2023. I invite love and healing. If there's something in your life that you want to invite, that's not necessarily love or healing, like for you, you want to invite power or partnership or creativity, anything like that, Pair your own affirmation with this beginning, which is, I invite whatever it is that you want more of in your life in 2023. For me, I'm sticking with love and healing. They are receiving my letterpress invitations straight from the heart. Okay, so those are my three new affirmations. I am already my future self. I have the ability to fix what's wrong. I invite love and healing. Now we're going to talk about habits. Habits are something I love to talk about (laughs) because I love anything productivity related because my inner core loves achievement and productivity and feeling like I did the best best I could possibly do. It's too tall of an order for every single day. It's constantly a cycle of me striving, and then me giving myself grace, and then me striving, and then me giving myself grace. And yet, I still do love tracking a habit, building a habit, talking about habits. These, though, are not meant to make you feel like you're going to fail, you know, week one or anything. These three habits are set up to make my life better in a work sense, in a connection sense, and in an inner self sense. So the first one is doing an evening shutdown on my computer. This is something that I just started in 2022, and it has made such an enormous mental difference for my work. If you are a work-at-home person, and I've been a work-at-home person for like 14 years now, things did change a lot in the pandemic, even for long-time work-at-home people like me, in that meetings suddenly became all over Zoom, even now, just because we've realized how convenient they are, how effective they can be. Also, my husband, Jeff, he has been working at home for almost 3 years now that was a huge change i did a good decade where i was working at home either with little babies at my feet or alone so now working at home with other people in the house is that has been a pretty major adjustment over the last few years i'm perhaps still adjusting to that but one of the things you might have learned either recently or if you've been a long time work at home person like me is that it is really hard when you work in the environment where you live to ever turn off work. Like it's almost impossible because you're always in your work environment. I don't miss going into an office and I use the word office sort of loosely because I always worked in production, which was on sets and we did have production offices, but it wasn't your typical kind of office environment. But what I do miss about those days is that when I came home, I was at home. Look, I could watch TV. I could cook my dinner. Now I'm thinking back to those days and there, there was no spouse. There was no children. So there was a lot of differences in what my evenings looked like in those days. But I remember enough to know that even when I worked long hours, there was a separation of work and life. And that has been blurry for me for so long and it got even worse when we moved last year and I have had a home office for a long time. My home office in our old house was in a spare bedroom. I just converted that into an office with a desk and things. My home office here in our new house is a beautiful space, but it is literally in my closet. So it is a bright, big, lovely space, but it is attached to my bedroom. (laughs) You have to walk past my jeans and shoes to get to my desk and having my computer and microphone and books and all my things right there where I'm walking all the time. So whether I'm doing my skincare routine or trying to get dressed for the day or whatever I'm doing, I am constantly around my immediate work environment, which makes it almost impossible to not like check a quick email, do a quick little task, make a little note. It's just work and life are never, ever separated. Now, I know that I'm lucky to have my own space. My desk is not in a family room or in the kitchen or something where everything would be even more entangled. But I have really struggled to not be halfway working or halfway lifing all the time. Because when I am having official work hours when I'm sitting at my desk, I can also do like regular life. You know, I like start dinner, I take care of the dogs, I throw a load of laundry in. Like I'm doing life stuff during my work hours and I'm doing work stuff during my life hours. And there's flexibility and convenience in that sometimes because of course, if I have a sick kid, or anything of that nature. I you know have the ability to already be at home with them, but there are definite detriments to the work-life balance and also just feeling like it's a lot harder to compartmentalize mommy brain from professional brain, from just enjoying my home. Like I love my physical home, but when it's everything all the time, <laughs> like it's also work, it's also just where I spend, almost every hour of my waking hours, it just, it's really worn me down. It's really started to make me feel a little bit crazy. So the habit that I am trying to get into that I started last year was shutting everything down. So what I have been doing for years and years before this habit was, I just keep my computer on all the time. You know, I mean, I need to jiggle the mouse to wake it up from sleeping. But I mean, I keep all my tabs open. I have thousands of things on my desktop. Like it's just always running in the background. The computer, my phone, social media, Voxer, texts, all the things are constantly running all the time. And so when I needed to, like I described, like quickly check something on the computer. Well, I could, like it was always available to me, all the screens, all the time. And when I decided I needed to like compartmentalize some of this, one of the things I decided to do was do a full shutdown of my computer, like turn my computer off, which I was not doing at all, which is actually bad for the machine, but extra, extra bad for my mentality because work, which is what I use, my computer mostly for, work was always on and always available. If I could put just a little bit of that separation there of if I need to look something up on the computer or do a quick task on the computer, I was going to have to like power it up and log in and all this, even though that actually only takes a couple of minutes, it gave me enough of a pause to be like, okay, I don't, I'm not doing work right now. I'm doing something else. I don't need to check my email quickly. I started keeping a little notepad on my desk or that I kind of carried around the house with me sometimes where I would write down something that I needed to do when I actually sat back down at my computer to do official work. Instead of spending 30 minutes here, 45 minutes there, 10 minutes here, oh, quick, I have just a few minutes while I'm waiting on the water to boil. Oh, I'm just gonna do this thing real quick. When I have done a shutdown ritual, an evening shutdown ritual, which I've been trying to do before dinner time so I can just move fully into family life without a computer on, like pretending that I've come home from the office. I have been so much happier on those evenings Now I can't do it every time. The juggle of being an online creator with the benefits of getting to work from home means that I break up My day sometimes with taking time out in the middle of the day, let's say between like two and five, to pick up a kid or take a kid to a sports practice or drive them to whatever. Because I am choosing to take that chunk out of the afternoon, sometimes I have stuff that I need to do after dinner because I lost it during the official workday. That's what flexibility means. That's what the benefit to that is. But I realized that it just meant that I felt like when I was home, I was working and my kids were starting to say things sort of reflected that also, like nothing critical, but they would just make assumptions that I was going to be on my computer instead of spending time with them or watching TV with them or being in the kitchen while I cooked and they did homework. They just sort of assumed I would have disappeared into my office which made me realize how often I was doing that. And I don't want that to be what our evening family life looks like. I want there to be a delineation. I also wanna teach them that sometimes that is what work looks like. You gotta do it when you gotta do it. But the primary lesson that I want them to see is a boundary that I'm setting for myself of work time is work time, family time is family time, and I don't need to mix them. It's also been good for my mental health too when I'm getting ready for bed, just not have that space of my house be available to me. It's dark, it is a dark, closed down corner of the house. Whereas before, like I said, I'd be like brushing my teeth before bed and just wanna check something on a screen. Now of course you still have your phone, you can still have that bad habit, but phone addiction is a whole other thing and actually something I do need to address. But getting pulled onto my actual desktop and getting into a work mode because I saw an email 10 minutes before I should be getting into bed, it was bad for my brain. It was a bad habit. So the new habit is an evening shutdown. The other habit that I want to develop in 2023, and habit might not be exactly the right word here, but sort of, I really want to prioritize seeing People on a regular basis, and this is going to require putting it on a calendar. This is going to require some forward planning and some spontaneity that I need to be okay with because spontaneity is not my biggest virtue. But for a few reasons, not the least of which was again the pandemic. I feel like it's coming up in every episode because, of course, it is. But Jeff and I got out of the habit of having people over and entertaining. We used to entertain a lot. When our kids were a lot smaller and harder to deal with, we had more people over. We had movie nights, backyard barbecues. We had people over for Sunday breakfast, Sunday pancakes. There were a few years in there where I was once or twice a year inviting the whole grade of moms for my kids' school. I had dinners where I invited writers, I hosted people's baby showers and brunches and just all kinds of things. It was a very, very regular part of our life. And a few things have shaken that up. A big one has been my kids' activity level as they've gotten older has gotten really intense. And so our weekends are often really full, or if we have a day off, it's our only day off for, you know, out of 10 days. And I just need to rest or they have practices or games that go you know, late on a Friday night, let's say, like all the times that are typically available to invite people over, mostly weekends, ours just aren't as free as they used to be. We have a lot going on in the kid activity department, which is a fulfilling and happy part of our life, but it has definitely encroached upon our entertaining. And I am really feeling that loss of connection. I love having people over to our home. I love late nights sitting around talking. I feel like I cured myself years ago from having to entertain perfectly. I no longer feel the need to have the house be completely spotless, like none of that. I can order pizza and just be happy to be with people. And I've found that for the most part, other people feel the same. They love to be at someone else's house. They don't care if you order pizza. They're glad to not have to do cleanup at their own house and to have a few hours of connection I do not have the perfectionism around entertaining that I used to, but I also don't have the time that I used to. And so in 2023, this is a gap I want to fill. I can't create more time and I don't want to shove another obligation or thing on the calendar in the few spare evenings and weekends that we do have. However, on the whole, when I was doing my reflection from 2022 and I was thinking about what could I use more of, what could be different, definitely connecting with people was on the top of that list. Now, I've sort of just described a bunch of entertaining notes like that I have to have people over. That doesn't have to be the case. I can certainly see people in other ways that aren't like hosting them in my home, but I really love having people at my house I like being more relaxed than the formality of maybe sitting at a restaurant where you feel a bit of a time constraint for sitting there or it's loud or the environment is a mixed bag. I mean, I do, Alyssa I love going out to restaurants and I love going out to restaurants with other people. But for some reason, this one for me, I guess because I'm calling it a habit, it comes back to welcoming people into our home, which used to be a very regular habit of our old life and much like the morning routine that I feel like I lost at some point along the way because I stopped prioritizing it, this habit of having people over, of inviting people casually or formally has just gone by the wayside and it feels like an essential part of me and who our family is and I want to reclaim that in 2023. So that is the second habit that I'm looking at. And then the third habit You will be unsurprised if you follow me on Instagram because I've been trying to do this more online as a way to kickstart my own new habit. But I want to develop a habit around my journaling. I'm a longtime journaler. I journal regularly, but it is sporadic. I go through seasons where I'm journaling like every day, sometimes like twice a day. (laughs) And then I go through dry seasons where I don't write anything down for like a few months. Mostly I think that's okay I do not think that you have to have a journal habit. Like I don't think that's a requirement to be considered a journaler, to get the benefits from journaling. But right now, as I'm going through certain stages in my life that I'm going through, I really do want to document events and emotions on a regular basis. And so a journaling habit is something I'm going to lean hard into in 2023. And if you would like to join me try and develop your own journaling habit this year. I would love it if you would join this short January class that I'm teaching called Journaling for Grownups. I'm super excited about it. It's going to be just two weeks long. We're going to journal together. I'm going to teach you my four main types of journaling. We're going to talk about the myths and the benefits and the pitfalls of journaling So if you are interested in that, I will have a link in the show notes. Of course, I will put it on social media, but you can also go to journalingforgrownups.com, journalingforgrownups.com. That will teach you everything you need to know about this January journaling class. Do not delay because it starts soon. You don't wanna miss it. And yes, even though I am teaching this class, because I feel so passionately about journaling. I have so much to say about it. I really, really want more people to journal and not feel like it's just something for angsty teenage girls to do. But journaling can be such an effective tool in your growth, in your introspection. This whole podcast is built on introspection and reflection, and journaling is like the best tool for those things. And yet... I want it to be more of a habit in my own life and not just hit or miss and not just when I need to kind of process through something, but something that is like the affirmations we started with, something that is just a part of my day, something that I can perhaps spot patterns in my life a little more quickly if I'm doing it every day versus just journaling out in short bursts again when like there's something kind of big going on I want to feel what journaling feels like on just a normal humdrum day a normal season if that's something that actually exists what can journaling teach me then so that is the third habit I'm going after so recap my three habits are an evening shutdown of all of my work stuff and just letting myself be a person a mom a human In my own home in the evenings, the other habit is gonna be seeing people putting into place a regular invitation or just making sure it's on the calendar every single month that I'm connecting with people, seeing people, especially in my home. And then third, journaling, because I believe so deeply in the practice of journaling and I want to be someone who does it every day. Thank you for letting me share with you the three affirmations and the three habits that I am working on for myself for 2023. I would love to hear what you are working on. I would love to hear how you feel about affirmations and what some of your favorites are. I would love to hear what habits you are hoping to put into place or maybe break in 2023. Do not let yourself feel like it's corny to revel in the wonder that is January. This is as good a time as any to make changes in your life, whether that be in your morning routine, in your habits or in your mindsets. It is fun to grow and want to be better and picture your future self and journal out your feelings. This is the reason that we're here, to do the best that we can with what we have, to work towards our best selves, a higher self, This feels good to me, and I hope that it feels good to you because we're gonna be talking more about this throughout the year, growth and entertaining and journaling, and most of all, friendships and our highest selves. I hope the beginning of this new year is wondrous for you already. Thanks for listening, friends. Now go share something you've just listened to an episode of the 10 things to tell you podcast for show notes and links go to 10 thingstotellyoucom make sure you're following us on facebook and instagram at 10 things to tell you and you can also join our free connection group on facebook to discuss episodes and topics for bonus content ad free episodes and monthly zoom gatherings with me join my secret stuff patreon community by going to 10 things to slash secret stuff thanks for listening